You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. All right. I think I'm set. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be together uh, virtually. And uh, welcome to all of you in the South Bay and even those of you scattered around the country, maybe, or even the world. Um, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we hope that our uh, time together this morning is a great encouragement to you. Uh, Brian mentioned earlier that we are completing the, uh, the series, a very short series, on uh, solid food. And, uh, you know, Brian started off a couple weeks ago talking about self-training. I just remember it as the dad bod sermon. And uh, I got a little concerned when he asked me to speak in that series because I thought, well, maybe it's because I've got a dad bod. But anyway, we're moving on. Dave did a great lesson on spiritual maturity last week. Uh, and then my topic today is spiritual ambition. So uh, we'll get into that in a second, but I've got a housekeeping thing I want to share with you. Um, you know, Steve and I have been uh, in meetings weekly with our uh, leadership group for the whole LA Church and uh, monitoring the status of COVID and what churches can and can't do and meeting together. And uh, right now, our, our, as, a, as a unit, the whole church eldership and leadership group um, is decided to just you know follow the kind of the letter of the law as it's written in the health order. So, but we do want to take advantage of what the what the health order does allow. We are allowed to meet outside in unlimited numbers as long as we can main, uh, maintain some some distance and the protocols that we're all getting used to. So, just want to encourage your small group if you are interested in coming together in person to worship uh, outdoors, um, either for Sunday or for our midweek uh, Bible talks. That's okay, but we just, we just need you to understand that um, there are protocols to follow. And, you know, the things that we're all familiar with, washing our hands, staying home if you're sick, kind of doing a self-evaluation uh, of, your, of your symptoms, um, taking your temperature, if you can work that out uh, at the meeting place. Um, but what's really important is that we keep a list of everybody who attends. So we, uh, on that list, we should just indicate that we've done the self-check for symptoms, and uh, give a phone number and email address and that kind of thing in case we need to get a hold of you for uh, some issue that may have come up. And then uh, just three simple things. Uh, keep your list every week, every time you meet. Uh, keep your distance, right, six feet. Um, and then keep your mask. Keep your mask on, all right, because we, we, uh, anytime you're closer than six feet, even when you're outside, you've got to keep that mask on. And so I uh, just want to encourage you, small groups, to be talking about that. You might want to do it. I know some of the groups uh, are really interested in doing that. And uh, not a, you don't have to. If you're uncomfortable with that, please continue to stream and do things the way we've been doing them. But just want to remind you that that's an available option right now. And uh, if you're interested in that or you need, have more questions, call Steve or me, and uh, we'd be happy to uh, kind of give you instruction on how to do that in a way that is uh, safe and, uh, and um, healthy. So, all right, moving on. I got a couple of acknowledgments. Uh, today's a special day for Karina and me. We celebrate our 34th wedding anniversary today. You can see she was a child. You can see she was a child bride, and I was a bit of a knucklehead-looking dude there. But um, anyway, uh, Karina, I love you so much. So grateful that God's put us together for these years, and looking forward to many, many more. So, uh, thank you for being my wife. Um, one other special thing, uh, a lot of us are using the uh, Read Scripture app um, to read through the Bible in a year, and today is kind of a landmark day because if you're on schedule, we finished the Old Testament yesterday and we start the New Testament today. So, oh, <laughs> Harley driving by in the alley, so 
anyway, he, he shut it down as he went by. Appreciate that. Um, anyway, where was I? Okay, back to uh, Read Scripture and uh, this Bible app. It's a great app. If you're not using it, uh, you know, check it out um, from the Bible Project guys, and they do a great job with uh, animated videos that kind of explain the themes of the books, and then uh, there's a daily reading that you can follow along. You can check it off. You can kind of keep up with uh, reading through the Bible in a year. So if you want to follow that, um, today we start the New Testament, so that's very exciting. We're moving forward on that, and uh, I was a little bit behind, I have to admit, um, but I really wanted to get caught up by today. So what I did, and you might try this, is I started listening to the Old Testament on, on uh, not, I'd say tape, but, you know, digital listening to it, right? So, so every time I got in the car, I just put it on, and I went through, uh, you know, a bunch of the prophets and and uh, just this last couple of weeks, been through the uh, First and Second Chronicles, and it is really powerful to listen to somebody speak the Bible to you, read the Bible to you. Um, especially this guy; he's got a great voice, and uh, it just really makes it sound. Uh, you know, you get the gravity of what's happening there. But um, you know, reading through Second Chronicles was really impacting for me because, you know, it's it's the first few chapters are genealogies. We don't quite get that, but as it leads into, there's just a march through the kings of Judah and their lives and what they did well, and uh, for some of them, what they didn't do well. And it was just so regular that if kings had set their hearts on following God and honoring God and worshiping God, then their country, Judah, was uh, blessed. It was prosperous. It was at peace. And every time they didn't, a new king came along or a king's heart changed to follow after idols, uh, bad stuff happened. They got invaded or uh, disease came or uh, there was a famine or something like that. I mean, just it was automatic how you could, and it was so nice to have that in a summary form because it's just like it just convinces you that I really need to be following God. He's really the way I need to go. And, and that ties in uh, to our topic of... Uh, of spiritual ambition because our ambitions are what drive us. Our ambitions are what take us from where we are now to where we want to go in the future. And it's so important that we let God be involved in setting our ambitions. So before we get into uh, much more of the scripture, let's say a prayer to get started and uh, let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you so much that we can look at your word this morning and we can see the power of uh, what's on the pages, what jumps out at us as uh, so clear that you want to be involved in our lives and you want us to help our lives to be great. And Father, as we consider our ambitions, our desires, our wants, our drives, we, we really want to lay them at your feet. We want you to bless them and guide them and help us recover when things don't go the way we thought they should. And we just really want to give all that up to you. Bless our time this morning as we look at the word uh, bless our hearts as we consider our ambitions and yield them to you, but also be empowered by you to do things that we never thought we could. God, thanks so much for your love and this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what is our ambition? Uh, it's that drive, right? It's, it's what's inside you that's pushing you to... Um, to go where you want to go. When you're young, it might be to be a professional athlete um, or go to the Olympics or uh, maybe be a musician and be on stage. Um, when you get a little bit older, you're just kind of thinking, I just want to go to college. I want to pick a great college to go to and I'll have great experience and graduate. Then, you, then maybe you want to get married or start a family and, and then you get into the work world and your ambitions are about kind of climbing up uh, the ladder at work and what you do and be, gaining more responsibility and getting paid better and uh, our ambitions kind of carry us forward 
And uh, we, you know, we look at people without ambition, and or we think about them, or they're characterized in, you know, shows or movies that we watch, and we, we kind of look at those people like, oh, they're fun for a while, but wow, what a wait. <laughs> so we don't want to be people without ambition. We want to have ambition, but we want to have uh, spiritual ambition. Some of you know exactly what you want. I mean, it's on posters on your walls, it's a bumper sticker on your car, it's on a sweatshirt that you own. You know exactly, and you tell everybody exactly what you're going to be doing with your life. Others of us have a hard time putting our fingers on our ambitions. We just don't really know what we want. Uh, maybe we had some at one time, and, and they didn't really come to pass, and we got a little bit brokenhearted about that, and we've kind of given up trying. Um, maybe we wonder sometimes if God was pushing back against our desires, and, and we've got a little attitude, maybe a bone to pick with God. And, you know, if that's the case, let me encourage you to take care of that sooner than later. Um, I'm pretty sure God doesn't want you out of the ambition game. I think he wants to use you. And so I encourage you to work that out in your relationship with God and uh, let him guide you into his desires for your life. Uh, as I look through the verses, getting, the, the scriptures getting ready for, uh, excuse me, it's hot this morning. Do I need to say that? Does everybody in Southern California know it's hot? It is hot this morning. Anyways, I look through the scriptures on, uh, on, um, on verses about ambition, uh, it's, it was clear. It was a huge topic, absolutely enormous topic. And in the Old Testament, the ambition of the kings determined the fate of the whole country. Um, that just became clear over and over again. In the New Testament, there's admonitions to use our ambition for good, and there's warnings about how our ambitions can be selfish and damaging to ourselves and to other people. Uh, but in both the Old and New Testaments, there's plenty of wisdom about developing our ambitions to be guided by God and pleasing to Him. So I want to, well, here's what I want to do. I want to work through uh, the, some of these passages, not all of them, a few of them, uh, framework with this passage right here from uh, Proverbs 16. To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. It's a great passage that summarizes how, kind of how our ambition works. Um, we make plans in our heart, but God knows the real answer. God knows really uh, what needs to happen with us. Uh, all of us think our ideas are great. Our motives are pure. We're excited about uh, you know, what we want to do, and yet, and yet it says here that uh, God actually weighs our motives. He tests our hearts. He looks inside to see if what we're motivated by is really... Uh, selfish or focused on him and on other people. And finally, it says here, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. So we're going to talk a little bit about plans of the heart. We're going to talk about being weighed by the Lord, and we're going to talk about how God establishes our plans. So I'll just leave this verse up for a little while. Marshall will cut back into it now and then. But um, plans of the heart. Let's talk about plans of the heart. A verse that I wanted to read for you about uh, the plans of the heart is in Psalm 37, in verse 4 and 5. It says, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. You know, when I read that verse, I can't help but think that God wants me to succeed with my desires and plans. He wants my ambitions to go well. He really wants to be behind me on this. And, you know, if you think about how we were made, some of us are reading this book, uh, a crown that will last. In the first week, we talked about how we're created to be image bearers for God. 
and we've learned at other times how in our the creation model uh, God created man and women to be his partners here on earth to help him reign on the earth and so you know God wants our ambitions to succeed but he also wants us to remember what we're created for that we are created to be his partner on the earth uh, we have dominion over the, the earth as his stewards here uh, he puts desires in our hearts because he wants to use them for good things you know sometimes we think that well I, I shouldn't desire that I shouldn't want that because God won't let me do that that's not spiritual um, but you know what Test, let God show you that don't don't rule anything out because God works through all kinds of things and he he uses the Holy Spirit in our lives to prompt us in these directions and God wants those plans to succeed but there is a condition right we've got to give our hearts to the Lord first we've got to give ourselves to him but but like I said that's not a bad thing because he's making us partners you've just been a made, made a partner in God's creation I mean, that's incredible. If you make a partner at a law firm or a big corporation, um, it's a great, great honor, right? You're pulled into the management. You're pulled into the profits. You're pulled into, you know, having a lot of discretion in how you do what you do. And God says, I want to make you a partner. The verse says, take delight in the Lord. I mean, think about that. Just delight in being God's partner. Think about what that means. Corner office on the very top floor. Um, you know, hotline to the throne room, right? You're, you, you get the key to the heavenly washroom where all your sins are washed away. Uh, a reserved parking spot at the feet of Jesus. Um, and then you're the VIP in charge of you fill in the blank. What is God putting in your heart? What do you want to do for God? What, what is He calling you to? And it could be something really obviously spiritual or maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit indirect in how it serves God's purposes but what's he putting in your heart but take delight in the Lord first that's the order get your heart right and then dream like crazy let God fill you up with his ideas um, the desires of the heart please let them be founded on your relationship with God a strong relationship with God and not on selfish motives and and the things that will tear us down you know it's it's true we've seen a lot of people and maybe you're you're one of them who have a lot of worldly ambitions, a lot of ambitions that don't have anything to do with God. And even if you achieve those, um, it's still, there's an emptiness at some point. I think we've seen enough, you know, TV stories and celebrity stories to know that even when you make it to the top, there can be a real emptiness if you don't have a foundation of what's really important in life. So let's make sure our plans of the heart are based on a delight in the Lord and a commitment to His way. Okay, so our motives. God looks at our motives and He wants to know, what are you thinking? What do you want? Why do you want to do this? You know, just because you really want to do something doesn't mean it's a spiritual ambition. Um, there's things that, that come into our hearts that aren't based in uh, following God, aren't based in what God wants to do. Um, look at Proverbs 19 and verse 2 and 3. It says, desire without knowledge is not good. And how much more will hasty feet miss the way? And this is, this is really telling. A person's own folly leads to their ruin, and yet their heart rages against the Lord. You know, I know uh, at times in my life I've had these tremendous ambitions. I thought they were spiritual. I wanted them so bad. They, they must be spiritual. They must be from God. I, I can't help but feeling this way. And yet, they were hasty. 
they were premature. They were un, without knowledge. I hadn't really looked at the scripture. I hadn't really talked to any advisors. I haven't gotten counsel from the people that know me and know my life. And, uh, you know, often when you go through that process of getting help and getting counsel, what gets revealed is that there's some selfishness in you. There's some uh, personal interest that you're trying to gain. And it's not to glorify God. It's really just to uh, maybe protect uh, weakness or vulnerability you have. Or maybe it's to uh, achieve something out of envy or rivalry with somebody else. Um, sometimes it's just hasty. You know, I think young people uh, run into this one a lot. You get a lot of great ideas. You think this is the way it should be done. How come we're not doing it this way already? Those old folks, those boomers, we got to get them out of the way so we can do what we want to do. And yet it's hasty because things are maybe more complex than you understand or, or God's purposes are a little bit deeper than what you're able to fathom at the moment. So let's not be hasty. I mean, it's not just young people. We all struggle with that. But, but let's not be hasty. Let's think about, you know, all of this stuff is under the leadership, the, uh, the, the, the uh, governance of God and his kingdom. And so... Um, and certainly, when those things fail, and if you're tempted to have your heart rage against the Lord, um, rethink that one. That's not going to go very well for you. Um, because we really need to uh, honor God in the way and really give Him the credit He deserves when He puts good ideas in our hearts and take the blame when we're driven by ambitions that are not godly. Um, sometimes our desires come from uh, a lack, uh, just from sin in our hearts from things that we haven't fully repented of, or maybe wounds that we haven't fully overcome and, and been healed from. Um, James 13, uh, 3, rather, in verse 14 through 16 says, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from, heavenly, but from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you have disorder and every evil practice. You know, we've got to admit, we're sinful people. And uh, life beats us up sometimes. And we get wounded, sometimes even very young in our lives. And we protect a spot in our heart that we just don't want anybody to deal with, and certainly not God. We're not ready to let Him in. And uh, that can lead to certain things that, you know, are become our worldly ambitions because we're trying to take God's place in protecting ourselves. We're trying to, to gather around us, to get rid of the insecurity, to get rid of the unknowns so we don't suffer like that again. It, I see that a, a lot. I've talked to people who grow up with, uh, without much wealth, you know, just, just barely making it by. And uh, sometimes they struggle with just trying to be, gain wealth, just get things, just get, you know, accumulate stuff um, just to build security around them. Um, sometimes you see it with people whose parents weren't what God intended for them to be. Um, sometimes through no fault of their own, sometimes they pass away. So, but sometimes they're, they're, the, the parents haven't worked out their relationship with God. And so the kids suffer because of things that don't go right in the marriage or maybe there's substance abuse or something like that. And, and kids get wounded by that and they grow up with that wound. And then our ambition becomes to protect ourselves from being wounded again. And yet that's God's job. That's God's job to dig in and heal our hearts. It's God's job to um, protect us from those things again. And he does that through our relationship and through the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus Christ. Um, we can't let our worldly ambitions try and do a job that they'll never be able to do. 
we've got to let Jesus do his work. And then when he does, when we commit our way to him, when we take delight in the Lord, then all of a sudden he fills us up with ambitions to do things for him, and that fulfills us. That that meets those needs, that puts salve on those wounds. You know, people who were impoverished now become not just satisfied and wealthy, but generous, and they're able to turn the thing around and be able to give, and they have a heart for people who are impoverished, and we appreciate that. And it's, it's great to see examples of that in the church, uh, people who have a heart to meet those kind of needs, people who've been through substance abuse, now uh, sober and strong and desiring to help other people through that. Those are the things that godly ambitions will do, the kind of stories that godly ambitions write, and that's exciting. Let's, let's not let our sinful natures determine our ambitions. Our ambition should be God-honoring and other-centered. Um, you know, 2 Corinthians 5 is a great chapter. I wanted to read the whole thing, but I, I don't have time. Uh, it's this great chapter about how we have this ministry from God and we get to be His ambassadors on the earth. You know, ambassadors for Christ. That idea of an ambassador, you know, an honored person going somewhere where he's not, where, where his roots are not, to, uh, to make it an impression, to bring the representation of God's kingdom to the earth. That's what we get to do as ambassadors. Um, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 9, right in the middle of that whole chapter about how we become Christ's ambassadors, uh, Paul says this, he says, we make it our goal, this is verse uh, 9 and 10, 2 Corinthians 5, so we make it our goal to please Him, whether we at home in the body or away from it. He's talking about being on earth or being in heaven. Uh, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. You know, we'll have a final reckoning. There'll be a time where we stand before judgment and give an account of our lives, and those of us who are in Christ are going to be in great shape, because Jesus is going to say, uh, I got this one, Dad. He's all right. He's in. I died for him. You know, but if you're not... There's a reckoning. And even those of us in Christ still should give an account for our time, right? We're working, we're doing things because of what Jesus did for us. We're not working to gain His grace, but because of His grace, we're remolded to do the works that He's created for us. And so our ambition should be God-honoring because our lives have been redeemed. Um, in light of how Jesus lived for others, our ambitions should be unselfish and others-focused. You know, the, the verse we all know so well in Philippians chapter 2, where Paul is talking about uh, Jesus and how he unselfishly left his throne in heaven and went to the cross for us, has these words in verse 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Boy, that's so challenging to think, not just, okay, I'll be others aware, but I'm going to value others even above my own interests. That takes a heart that's really surrendered to God, but that's a beautiful thing when we see it. You know, we see examples of that, you know, big stories of people's lives around the world, and then we see small stories every day. Uh, in, in the lives of our friends or a, maybe a co-worker, when you see something put another's interests above their own, it's inspiring. It's really inspiring. It's inspiring because that's who we were made to be. And it connects with that, that, that pattern, that, that blueprint that God put inside us, that that's how we should be. And so our ambition should be focused on other people to be fulfilling. Um, you know, our selfish ambitions, if we have them, 
you know, even though um, we might be able to do a lot of good with them, they still ring a little bit hollow when they're selfish, right? But when they're unselfish, when they're for others, uh, there's this tremendous sense of satisfaction that I set down my, what's important to me, I took a pause in my life so I could help somebody else out. And that is, there's nothing more rewarding than that. Certainly in our spiritual world, I mean, many of you have labored long hours studying the Bible as somebody who's just learning about Jesus. And the, the kind of the culmination of their conversion at their baptism is just so exciting. It's so rewarding. And, um, you know, others work with people struggling in their marriages. And being able to work with, Karina and I have done this a lot, where we worked with couples who are really struggling and on the, maybe on the verge of divorce, talking about divorce and being able to steer them back to uh, a marriage that they, they begin to cherish and love and grow from. It's just, there's nothing more rewarding than that. And so let's get our ambitions. Let's think about uh, really how much better it is when our ambitions are focused on uh, honoring God and being others-minded. Let me, let me give you a few questions to test your ambitions. So you can test your own heart. Uh, while God's doing the same thing. Um, does your ambition help you seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness? Does your ambition help you seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness? You know, if your ambition is to go play in the major leagues, awesome. How does that help you seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness? you got to answer that question. If your ambition is to get that next promotion and, and maybe uh, take on a job with more responsibilities, that's great. But how does that help you seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness? Um, that's a great question to ask yourself. Uh, another question, is your ambition all about you? How does it consider the interests of others? Tell me how your ambition is going to help other people. How your ambition puts others above your own interests. These are challenging questions, right? We're we're wading into, hey, man, this is what I want to do. Leave me alone. But, but, but God says, no, these are great questions to weigh your heart because God will sift through those things that aren't holy and he will make the outcome of your ambitions better than you ever thought they could be. Um, we've got to trust him with this, with this weighing process. Um, finally, here's a question. How do your ambitions reflect on your witness as a Christian and on your reputation as a member of God's church? You know, we just sang that song, A Faithful Witness. That's what God is looking for. Uh, how do our ambitions reflect on that? And how do they, we'll look at another verse in a minute about how important our lifestyle is to, um, to win over outsiders. Um, and so how does your, uh, how does your, ambi- how do your ambitions reflect on your reputation as a Christian and the church's reputation in the community? Uh, these are great questions to test your hearts with. Uh, as God weighs out our heart, we got to be comfortable with opening up about our ambitions and our desires, letting the light of God shine on them and, and help them to be everything that they should be. Okay, last point here, he will establish your plans. You know, there's a lot of plans we can make. There, there's just lists. I put them in two broad categories. One is kind of our, uh, our plan of ministry service, you know, serving in the capacity uh, for the church. You know, there's, there's the Apostle Paul, right? He's maybe the pinnacle of spiritual ambition. Um, Romans 15, 20, he lays out his ambition. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. Uh, Paul's ambition was to be a trailblazer. He didn't want to just stay in the local church in Jerusalem. He wanted to get out in the, in the world of the Gentiles where Christ was not known 
He, and he, he didn't just want to go to see something new. He was ready to pay the price. How many places did Paul walk into where he, he left under a pile of stones, you know, or after climbing out from a pile of stones, or after being beaten, or after being imprisoned? Um, but Paul's desire was to preach Christ where he wasn't known. That's a huge, big desire. But you know what? We still need people to have that kind of ambition. You know, at one point in the church, uh, young men and women were boiling over with that kind of passion. Uh, people were, were leaving their home, their comfortable homes in the U.S. to go to, you know, places that many of us have, will never go to. Uh, difficult places, developing countries, challenging places where uh, Christianity was actually opposed um, so that they could take Christ, the message of Christ there. Others got, uh, you know, maybe got married as young couples, or even had young families, and moved to other cities in the U.S. to to grow, uh, you know, our our uh, group of churches, and uh, left their comfort, left their friends, left behind what what they knew, so they could go and break a trail uh, in some, you know, some city that they'd never been to. Karina and I were uh, graduates of the University of Colorado, go Buffs. And, uh, you know, we, our, our rival during those years was always the University of Nebraska. Um, Nebraska back in the 80s was a powerhouse, and the Buffaloes were lousy. Um, they were so bad that we could actually, you could get a season ticket for $8, and if you waited until halftime of the game, you could actually go in free. Um, we just didn't have a lot of attendance. But Nebraska, when they came to town, they came in huge numbers. It was like locusts in red jackets. I mean, it was so full of Nebraskans that we just despised them. We couldn't stand Nebraska coming to our town. And uh, we got called to go on a mission team to Lincoln, Nebraska, home of the University of Nebraska. Oh my gosh, you talk about surrender. You talk about struggling with, uh, you know, but really, I mean, Lincoln, Nebraska, it's very comfortable compared to most places in the world. But for us at the time, it was like, we have to love Nebraskans. How do we do that? You know, and, and, and you know, we, we ended up actually, uh, the, the team uh, converted two of the guys on the football team. Uh, it was a great victory. Uh, one of them's actually in the ministry in the Midwest, doing, you know, just a great brother, Vince Hawkins. And um, it was just so encouraging to see a bunch of, we were all from Colorado, we were all, you know, many of us from Boulder, and, and we, you know, show up in Nebraska, we weren't particularly well received at the time, um, and, and, but to be able to love, to be able to deny our own desires and be able to love a people that were foreigners to us and actually had invaded us frequently, so, you know, it was, it was a great calling, but we still need that, we still need people who are willing to say, you know what, I want to help be a part of a, a church planting in some city where there isn't a church, um, some, some town where, where we need to expand our reach. Um, California is full of cities that still don't have you know, a, a church where somebody in our fellowship can attend and be a part of it and help it grow. Um, but there's opportunity. There's opportunity. God certainly wants to help us grow in that way. And so I you know, encourage you, if you've got an inkling, let God develop that. Um, and you don't even have to move anywhere, honestly. There are hearts where Jesus is not known. <laughs> and uh, we have a tremendous opportunity to reach into those hearts and offer them the love of God as, as it's been shown to us and uh, help people find Jesus in their quest. So being a trailblazer, that's one way. Uh, local church leadership, you know, 1 Timothy 3, uh, verse 1, here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an over overseer desires a noble task. Um, 
local church leader. This begins a passage of, you know, some offices in the church, elder and deacon, that are called out here. But really, uh, we have so many opportunities to serve in leadership in the church. And I just want to encourage you to have an ambition for that. You've been given talent. If you've been a disciple for more than a year, you probably know more Bible than most people on the planet. Um, and you have, a, you have more than you know. You have a surrounding support that can help you lead in some way. Let me just encourage you to aspire to those things. Uh, you get trained in this every day, how you lead your family, whether or not you have your quiet times, what's your reputation at work, how you handle the guy who cuts you off in traffic. You get training every day because these are character and faith-based positions. And so aspire to those things. And then there's a passage in 1 Corinthians 14, 12. They're talking about speaking in tongues and prophesying, and the Corinthians are all fired up about all that. And Paul says, yeah, that's fine, but we, need, we don't need everybody to speak. We need people to do whatever they can do. Since you, verse 12 says, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. You know, whatever it is that you're gifted, and I think about, again, reading the Old Testament, thinking about how David prepared to build the temple and how Solomon actually built it using skilled workers, you know, stonemasons. Are they spiritual? Well, these guys were in a position to do a spiritual job because of their gifts and their talents. And so whatever it is that you're gifted in and talented, let me encourage you to make it your ambition to direct those towards building up of God's church. Okay, let's keep moving here. Um, we've got not just to establish a secular kind of mi or a, a ministry plan, but we also need to establish uh, a secular plan. And this is the passage that was on the, the lead-in here for this lesson. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 9. Uh, I've talked about this before a long time ago, um, and I'll just say my heart was in a different place then. There was a need for me to talk about getting off the merry-go-round and just learning to live a quiet life and, and be a good Christian. Um, I read it a little bit differently now. Let's, let's go through it. Um, verse 9 says, Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, you should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you. And so that the daily life, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. You know, the church in Thessalonica was uh, born in Acts chapter 17. You can read about it there. Paul was only there a few weeks before the Jews got jealous and ran him out of town. Um, and so this young church, which had converted some Jews, but it says many prominent Greek men and women were also converted at that time. And so there was this young church without a lot of leadership, right? They were all young Christians, um, and they were trying to grow, and Paul was concerned about them. In fact, he wrote this letter, actually earlier, he sent Timothy back to make sure they were okay, and this letter comes after Timothy's return and a report of how well they're doing, and Paul's really proud of them, really encouraged by them, and so he talks about you've learned to love each other, and you're doing a great job, but let me tell you, you need to do something more. Um, that church had a little problem. Um, some people in that church were uh, just ignorant of God's plan, and they, they had uh, heard that the second coming had already happened. And they were worried. They're like, well, wait a second, we're still here. <laughs> you know, if the second coming happened and we're still here, something's wrong. They got alarmed. They got concerned. Um, they were busy serving each other in the church, so busy that some of them actually um, quit their jobs so they, they could wait for Jesus' impending return. 
Um, and so they, become, they became unable to contribute and became dependent on other people. Um, and so Paul says, you know, um, I need you guys to simmer down. <laughs> I need you guys to get a job. I need you guys to stop mouthy, mouthy, mouthy about what happened and it, did Jesus come or not and what's going to happen. And in fact, in 2 Thessalonians, he uses the word busybody. He warns them against being idle and against being disruptive to the affairs of the church. And he calls them busybodies. Nobody likes that term. If somebody called me a busybody, it'd be like, either those are fighting words, we've got to talk, man, <laughs> or, or I really need to think about what you're saying and what I'm doing with my time. They were kind of hyper-spiritual, right? So busy talking, telling other people what they should do, having opinions about everything under the sun, that they weren't doing the things that they could do. They weren't working to support one another. They weren't uh, living with a reputation that was uh, attractive to outsiders and provided a good reputation for outsiders. Um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step into something here, and I'm sure I'll get an email. But, um, you know, social media is a tremendous opportunity to be all about somebody else's business. Um, we can look in on people's lives, and we're tempted to even put our whole lives out there. Uh, to just get into other people's business. And as disciples, we have a special thing in a discipling relationship where we do get into each other's business to help each other. It's in love. It's, it's with a commitment to, to walk, work through these issues together as friends. Um, but sometimes in social media, we take the opportunity to start discipling the world with our great opinions. And uh, it's just not the venue for it. Um, it's just not the place to have life-changing conversations. It really just makes people mad sometimes, you know. Ask yourself, am I, a, is, am I a social media busybody? Am I always trying to figure out who said what? What's on so, so-and-so's feed? Who, who's on Instagram? What's going on on Facebook? Are we so consumed with that that we are forgetting to do the very important work we have to serve other people, to support other people, and to have a tremendous reputation uh, with outsiders. You know, the church is supposed to be a refuge from the problems of the world. Not that we don't have them, but we have a solution for them that nobody else gets to have. Um, we're supposed to be a refuge. We're supposed to be a light. But when we get sucked in and we're busy being part of the problem, we've lost our godly ambition. We've lost our purpose. And so let me just encourage you, if you think you might even be on the edge of being a busybody, get some input from somebody. Ask somebody, how, do my, how is my activity in that way? And it doesn't just social media. Sometimes it's phone calls. Sometimes it's, you know, we're not meeting together as much, but sometimes it's just word of mouth. Um, but let's not be busybodies. Let's be productive. Let's be helpful. Let's be uh, encouraging and pointing people to the strength that we have as a community of faith. Um, you know, Paul tells them to, to get productive and knock it off, to stop being this way. Um, it's a challenge for us to do that. We've got a lot of work to do as Christians, as ambassadors, um, to close the inequality gaps in our country. We've got a lot of work to do to uh, rebuild a broken economy. We've got a lot of work to do to overcome the challenges that we're faced with this pandemic. Um, there's plenty for us to do. We don't need to be distracted by telling everybody else what they should do. 
Let's focus. That's when he says, mind your own business. Take care of your own thing. That's what he's saying. He says, do what you can do. Let's not stir the pot. Let's just do what we can do and let's shine that way because we can, we can kind of rise above some of the rhetoric and be able to give people some real solutions and real relief. There's so much good to be done. Uh, so much we can do if we take delight in the Lord and make our ambitions to serve Him and to please Him. And those ambitions that He gives us, He will empower us. He will give us the strength to use in a godly way in the light. You know, this passage has a lot of things we could say about the value of work and the importance of our work and the statement we're making about the church by our industry that we live our lives with. Uh, we're going to have to leave that for another time. For now, let's think about our ambitions. Um, let's develop them if they, need, if they need it. Let's relight them if they've fizzled out. Let's evaluate them in light of the purpose, of our purpose as God's partners on the earth. Final verse here, Psalm 20, verse 4. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. And that's my prayer, that you would give your heart to God and he would give you the desires of your heart and be very successful in all your plans. Amen? Amen. All right, let's transition to our time of communion. Um, there's a lot of things I was really tempted to get into, and maybe I will, Mark 20, or Matthew 20, rather, where... Um, James and John's mother comes to Jesus and says, hey, we want, you, we want VP spots for my two boys right up next to you. And uh, Jesus says, that's not for mine to give. Um, the, son of, the Son of Man came to be a servant. Um, I have a picture here. Um, that's a wagon wheel. Um, it's fairly low tech. Our young people may not be familiar with how that works. Let me walk through that. Um, that thing in the middle, that's called the hub. That's the hub. That's what fits around the axle. The axle is what actually helps that wheel go somewhere um, and not just be a nice circle. Um, but that hub is important for connecting to the power source. Those things that radiate out from the middle, those are the spokes. And the spokes help keep the hub in the middle of where it should be in that, in that relation to all the, uh, what's going on out at the rim. Um, they provide support and keep uh, you know, if that little hub was just spinning around on the ground, you wouldn't go very far or very fast. And so they kind of uh, expand and extrapolate the power that comes from the hub out to uh, the outside ring, which is called the rim, right? The rim is where the action happens. If that was a rubber tire, we'd say that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you see the activity. That's where the action is. That's where things happen. Um, I heard an illustration this week, and that's why I showed this picture, about how we can build our church and our spiritual life uh, from the rim in rather than from the hub out. Um, in a spiritual terms, what's the rim? The rim is all our church activity. It's our meeting together. It's our uh, you know, classes that we do. It's our planning that we do. It's our fellowship. It's maybe our worship times. Um, that's all the activity. That's where we see things happening. And that's all good. We need to have that. And then what are those spokes things? What's that, how is that spiritual? Well, I think those are like our relationships. Those are the things that go from our hub, our inside, out to those activities. They, or from each of our hubs out to those activities. We, we need those relationships. Our relationships kind of empower us to go from you know, power on this little tiny circle to you know, that power distributed to a big circle of activity. Uh, so those are our relationships. But that hub in the middle, um, we sing that song, you know, the hub in the middle of the wheel. Um, and, and that hub is our relationship with God. 
that's where we're tied into the power source. And, you know, we've been doing this series on solid food uh, to get us to focus not on, the, not on the rim and not on the spokes. We've done other studies for that, but to focus on the hub. And so I want you to just keep this mental picture as we consider the verses today, the sermons the last couple of weeks, and, but even your kind of daily time with God. Uh, and certainly during the pandemic, um, God's put us all on a big old giant timeout. You know, he's just said, wait a second, everybody stop. And he's trying to get our attention. And this is a perfect time for us to work on the hub. You know, our, our relationships are challenging because we can't meet together as much. Certainly our church activity looks really different and it's not probably what we would plan it to be. But that hub, we can work on that hub. And it's an ideal time for us to work on that and to really dig into what are my ambitions? Am I growing uh, spiritually mature? How am I training myself uh, to really focus on the power? You know, our hub is our relationship with Jesus. Um, we talked a lot of verses today about Jesus' mission and his unselfishness from Philippians 2 comes to mind. Um, but as we take communion right now, uh, I want you to think about your relationship between you as the hub and that axle, the power of God, through your relationship with Christ. And I want you to think about, are you working on that? You know, for too many of us, our spiritual life is just the rim. It's just the activity. Or maybe it's just the spokes. It's just the relationships. I don't care about, the, I just want to have friends. I want to have spiritual friends. And those are all great things. But if we don't have the hub, if we don't have the hub, then we're not as connected to God as we need to be. We're not as powerful as we need to be. We're not as hopeful or strong or faithful as we need to be. So as we take communion today, we remember what Jesus has done for us. We remember that he's forgiven all of our sins and that he has plans for us and wants to make our dreams and ambitions come true. Uh, let's focus on our relationship with him. Let's commit ourselves to being uh, close to him and taking delight in him every day. Amen? Let's pray for our communion. Father, thank you so much for uh, the opportunity now to um, just take a moment and take some very uh, real items in, in the bread and the juice to uh, remember Jesus' sacrifice and Jesus' uh, hope for our new covenant life with him. Uh, thank you that we get to be close to you. Thank you that we get to be forgiven and we can, we can just be uh, secure in your love. Uh, bless our time now. Help us to be uh, close to you during this time. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.